0: Young Pro Show, hosted by Dom Fry, the insurance guy.
1: Would you still do something great if
0: nobody ever saw it? A podcast for young professionals to come together and talk about their goals and their path to get there. And if I fail, I'll fail forward. I sit down with other forward-thinking individuals and talk about what they are doing to accomplish their dreams of tomorrow. Maintaining strength while living in your purpose. Mm. Now let's dive into the next legendary episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Young Pro Show. I'm your host, Dom Fry, the insurance guy. Uh, Today's episode, really excited for. uh, I'm excited when I am able to interview and talk to people within the medical profession uh, in medical industry because that is something that I have like zero knowledge about. They like literally I don't know anything in in those regards. So, and it makes it a little easier actually as the host of a podcast to talk to somebody then because the questions I'm asking typically are more like genuine questions because I'm like I have no clue what to ask you. I have no like I don't know what this is. Like hold on, slow it down for me. Explain what this acronym means and uh yeah in my opinion i think it makes for a more uh genuine conversation so today i'm really excited to invite on the guest josh bolander josh how are you doing
1: good Dom. thanks for having me man i appreciate it
0: yeah yeah of course excited to jump on um yeah it should be good how's actually how's hockey going
1: uh, it's good. It's good, man. I uh, went and skated last night uh, nice. with with Rachel and I being on vacation. It's been a couple of weeks since I played, but you know we're still at the ice rink three and four days a week. So, uh, it's been it's been a good
0: time. Nice. I know you're a big hockey fan. So, have you been able to go to any Blue Jackets or Red Wings games recently? Uh,
1: no, not yet. Actually, Rachel and I are going to game uh, October twenty fifth. Actually, okay. um, one of my one of my coworkers and I split a, a quarter season ticket package. So we've oh, got sweet. Uh, we've got a handful of games we'll be going to this year. Looking forward to that.
0: Nice. That is awesome, man. Well, let's jump into this podcast. I want to get to know you, you know, let the listeners get to, to know you a little bit better initially here. So first question for you, you know, geographically speaking, I guess, you know, tell me where you're at today. Tell me where you're born and raised and kind of where you have been geographically.
1: Yeah. Uh, so born and raised in Jackson, Michigan, uh, which is a little town kind of in the south central of, of Michigan. Um, it's half hour south of Lansing, 45 minutes of my beloved Ann Arbor. Mm. Um, so I spent my first 18 years there, uh, went to Central Michigan for my undergrad, uh, which is in Mount Pleasant, about an hour and a half, directly in the center of the hand. Um, then uh, after, so after graduation, did a little odd jobs um, around town. Um, and eventually moved on to Columbus uh, for a couple of years and worked at Nationwide Children's, uh, running research in uh, the GI division, um, specifically with uh, inflammatory bowel disease. Um, then moved on to the Mayo Clinic uh, in Rochester, Minnesota, um, where it's very cold. Um, it's been <laughs> a year there uh the the Colts got the best of me and and came back here to Columbus and I've been in Columbus for the last 3 years so
0: nice so you said so you got your undergrad at Central Michigan I'm trying to think yeah. Central Michigan is that where Antonio Brown went? It is. Yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. I know that he went to a cuz they're in the MAC, correct? Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah, that's why I, I thought that it was MAC and I thought that was where a, B graduated from. Yeah. That's pretty yeah. cool.
1: They beat up on uh, OU just a couple of weeks ago. Well, they didn't really beat up on, on them. I think they beat up by like
0: two. But, ah, they uh, beat up on them. <laughs> right. I take the, <laughs> take the bragging <laughs> points when I can. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Um, so outside of work, you know, what are some hobbies? What do you enjoy to do? Hobbies,
1: yeah. I mean, um, we were talking earlier about hockey. Um uh, play hockey, uh, just in a couple of beer leagues, two days a week. Um, I'm also a referee for, for those said beer leagues. So, uh, the most of my time outside of work is spent, um, you know, at, at the ice rink. Um, and then obviously, um, in dating Rachel, um, spending as much time as I can with her is um, yes yeah. fantastic as well. So, uh, those are kind of my two my two go-tos. And then, um, you know, we would like to travel. Okay, like we were talking about, just got back from vacation on Thursday from uh, the North Carolina area. Um, and so, yeah, between travel, hockey, and, and spending time with Rachel, we stay pretty busy. So
0: Yeah. Sounds like it. Three good hobbies. As far as the hockey, I don't know if I asked you this before, Like, at what age did you start playing hockey? Or, like, you know, what initially got you into it?
1: yeah uh i think i started at like four um my mom babysat uh for uh, a kid that um was starting to play roller hockey um and so i kind of got my start in roller hockey at a young age and then after a couple of years decided to yeah, would rather play ice hockey um and it's kind of stuck ever since and it's it's really been a passion of mine for since you know since the get-go really so we used to play, you know, in the driveway, out in the street until the lights came on and on, mm. and Mom was yelling at us to, to get <laughs> inside, so. That,
0: that's cool. That's cool. So, obviously, it's been a sport that you, yeah, enjoyed and played yeah, for many, yeah. many years. So, give me the uh, the 30-second, maybe even the 60-second, you know, professionally, what are you doing today?
1: Professionally, I am am a clinical research coordinator, um, which a lot of people will just kind of roll their eyes and will have no idea what that is. (laughs) Um, So what I do is um, either a doctor that I work with um, comes up with a research idea or a a medical company, uh, something like a Pfizer or a Medtronic, Johnson & Johnson, to name a few of the big ones. Um, has a research idea. Uh, and we either impl- we implement and run the day-to- day uh, for that study. Um, and so right now I am in neurosurgery. Uh, so we do a lot of spine surgeries. We'll do tumor removals. Um, we do stroke and things like that. Um, so and as well as uh, neuromodulation, which is very interesting. Um, but that's in, in involving Parkinson's and essential tremor. Uh, we do oh. a little bit of Alzheimer's, things like that. Um, but whatever these studies, uh, come, come to us, essentially, we just, you know, we run the data to day, make sure that it's safe for patients, make sure, um, our regulatory and data is up to date, um, things like that. Uh, so that way, uh, down the line, we can we can get these things that we're looking at approved by the FDA, and, and patients can get this done clinically, um, you know, through through their insurance on a, on an everyday basis.
0: Hmm. Nice. So we are going to come back to that, but let's go if, at the time being. Let's go back in time. Let's go back to eighteen year old Josh. You graduate high school. You know, at that time, what were your plans, or what did you know you want to do professionally, or what did you go to college for?
1: Yeah, uh, so I went to college for biomedical sciences. You know, at the time, I thought I want to be a doctor, um, and what I wanted to be a doctor in, I wasn't really sure. But you know, that's where you figure things out in college, and that's right. Uh, decided after a couple of weeks that um, rather than just burying my face in a book for four years um, I decided to have a to be, a bit of a social life as well um, and worked all through college I mean I would work 40 hours a week through college as well so wow um, it was uh, it was a little it was a very high task that I set my my goals to um, and I didn't get there but where I'm at now man I wouldn't I wouldn't choose any differently so
0: that's all so yeah wow there's a couple things i'm perplexed there you said that you you know you maintained a social life but you know you were if you worked for you i had a full-time job or a full-time student you know i get like how did you balance that with the social life as well
1: yeah um it's prior prioritizing you know in, in making your time as valuable as possible. So, you know, I'd work the weekends, um, we depending on where I was at in between 32 and 40 hours a week. Um, I would work nights, um, which allowed me to study a little bit while I was working. Um, And then, you know, the social life kind of came with being best friends with with my roommates. Mm. Um, so, you know, it was when we were home, we were hanging out, um, having dinners together, going to the gym, um, you know, going, grabbing a bite to eat at the, at the bar whatever it happened to be. So, um, it was, it was a difficult thing trying to choose between, yeah, let's go to dinner and no, I have an exam tomorrow. Um, mm. but there was a, there was a delicate balance there.
0: Yeah. For sure. No, that's cool. That's cool that you were able to, yeah, work full-time yeah, the whole yeah, time. So. And, and, again, being able to just balance all three yes. of them.
1: And the wedding we went to over the weekend um, was my room my roommate from college was the one that got married. So, you know, we've nice. we been able to maintain a really good relationship after college, too, which has been fantastic.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. That was cool. So then, so you said you went for biomedical science, and you know, the initial plan was to be a doctor. At, you know, like at what point? I guess was there maybe classes, internships? You know, maybe the jobs that you had. Like, what kind of helped you narrow down like what you wanted to do, and kind of um, yeah, essentially just kind of narrow that path that yeah. path for the next step. Um, so
1: through college I worked as a, a certified nursing assistant, which uh, is kind of the grunt work of of uh patient care. Um but I absolutely loved it. I love taking mm. care of people and patients and helping and, and you know, explaining situations that they're in and how to get better, uh, what they need to do to get better and then, you know, helping them actually do those tasks. Um so I knew I wanted it to, to be patient oriented, which again, you know, um, is very nurse nurse ask doctor like, um, work, but I also did some, um, I did a little bit of work with a nutrition professor of mine, um, doing some data analysis and some, some background research, um, literary reviews, um, and things like that and knew that research was something that I wanted to get into as well. Um, so in terms of being a clinical research coordinator, I couldn't ask for a more perfect job because it allows me to work with patients. Um, it allows me to do the research and collect the data and learn from that data and kind of be, you know, at the, at the cutting edge of some new therapies and things like that, that we're, we're hoping to, you know, show the fda that it's that it's working and, and helping patients and can eventually you know hopefully one day help patients all over the u.s yeah. and the world um so leading that is, has really been fantastic
0: yeah that's awesome that's cool that yeah i mean your current position you feel like is a good middle ground between the yes, two for you That you really enjoy the research and the you know kind of behind the scenes work but then you also really enjoy, you know. You mentioned that patient-oriented and just being able to focus on people and have those relationships as well, and it's a good yes. middle ground. Yeah. So then, so you, I mean, that's cool. Then that, you know, obviously working forty-hour week in college, but in, you know, a medical-related field as a certified nursing assistant, um, you know, so as you're working that job, you're taking your classes. You know, I guess as you graduated college, then. Like, at that point, uh, you know, were you looking for additional schooling then to still become the doctor, or what were you thinking, I guess, professionally, once you graduated from Central Michigan?
1: Uh, no, I mean, um, I took a five-year program in, in working and things like that. It took me six years, and kind of when I graduated, I was just pretty much done with, with the mm. academic world. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I, I immediately started looking for a job. I took a, a, I went back home and stayed with my parents for about uh, six months or so um, and worked as a, as a certified nursing assistant. Um, and my first research job was actually with the University of Michigan um, running the M5 flu study, um, which is uh, the study that the CDC runs all around the country. Um, hmm. to learn about the this year's flu strains, and then they and then they make predictions off of this year's flu strains as to what to put in the flu shot for the following year. Hmm. Um, and so being involved with that, and again the data um, and the patient orientation aspect of things, um, kind of pushed me to realize, yeah, this is this is actually what I want to do. Um, and it didn't, you know, necessarily involve any extra schooling or anything like that. I could go in and. And run these day to day research studies and help patients. And so um, that's that's how I continued to pursue the, the research career.
0: Nice. I mean, yeah, that's awesome. That, you know, one of the early positions you had, and that was a huge deciding factor in what you wanted to do then moving forward. How cool, you know, I mean, I know that you are a big, uh, you know, Michigan fan. I, how cool was that to work for the University of Michigan? yeah yeah man
1: it kind of blew my ego up a little bit you know <laughs> yeah i'm sure very,
0: <laughs> you
1: know it, it, it wasn't a you know it's not a a huge gig it was you know just an assistant and and getting patients into studies and collecting data and you know uh it, essentially i would swab patients noses and in their throat to get uh to see if they actually had you know the flu virus um and then send that over to U of M, and that was really all I was involved with. But um, just to just to say that I was a University of Michigan employee was, was a really, you know, that was a eco-boost to me for sure.
0: Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm a big Ohio State fan, and I feel like if I was – the water boy for the tennis team i'd be like dude yeah man like you know like you said like even like a right. paycheck from the university yeah. of michigan yeah. being like oh dude like look at that man like they are paying me like i've been watching their games on tv for 20 years And now they're paying me. This is crazy. Yeah, Yeah, that's exactly
1: how I felt. Exactly how (laughs) I felt. I actually, I still have my U of M ID uh, in my car. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably something that I'll keep with me the whole time for sure. (laughs)
0: That's cool. Um, So then I guess from that point, what was the next step? Um, You know, you said that you really enjoyed the position. It wasn't necessarily a huge gig but you kind of knew at that route, you know what, I want to continue to go down the research avenue, and it wasn't something you needed additional schooling for. Um, so then you said, if I remember correctly from the beginning, was it after this point then, that then you moved to Columbus for a, for a reach research position? I'm yeah, assuming. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, so next next gig was at uh, Nationwide Children's, um, okay. at, in obviously in downtown Columbus here. Um, And so, I I have some family that's been in Columbus for a really long time, and I was having trouble finding, you know, a a longer-term job, um, because this flu study was only about a six-month contract. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, So, you know, I I knew from the get-go that it was a a part-time gig um, in terms of length, and um, so... Immediately, you know, about three months into the, into the whole thing, I decided, yeah, let's, let's keep doing this research thing. It's a lot of fun. Um, and so with Columbus having so many, uh, hospitals down here, you know, we've got children's, we've got OSU, there's Ohio health, um, Mount Carmel, um, all of them do research. Um, so I, I started setting my eyes down here and I had a place to stay while I got my feet wet, Hmm. um. And so that's how I really ended up at Children's was kind of a push from from family down here uh, to get me down here and get me going. So
0: Nice. No, I mean that's yeah, definitely helps when you know people in the area, like you said, being able to stay with them, at least to get started and you know, some of those initial um you know, moving concerns. It's okay, well where do I stay? Where do I, you know, find a place to rent, whatever and you know, being able to help out in those regards definitely helps. You know, I'm sure made things just easier. Uh, obviously, personally, but then professionally as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. So and, you know, it's easy to move to an easier to move to a new town when you when you have somebody that you know. And um, I've got a cousin down here that's a couple of years older than me, so he kind of took me under his wing, and we were playing softball together and, cool. and things like that. Um, so I was I was very lucky when I moved down here to kind of have a you know that social support to um, to at least get my feet set, um, and kind of branch out from there. So,
0: yeah. So then, so you said you started working at nationwide children's and it was a research position. Was it, I guess, similar to what you were doing before, but you said before it was a six month contract and this was a full time position. Yeah. Full time
1: position. Um, it, it involved a little bit more work than what I was doing at, um, at U of
0: M, but it was still flu research.
1: Uh, Nope. So this ended up so this is one of the nice things about being a research coordinator is uh, you're not stuck to one like disease course.
0: Gotcha. Um, So,
1: you know, I started off um, in flu uh, doing the flu study and learning, uh, learning a little bit about how the flu worked and the strains and how they're how they predict for the next year's flu virus and things like that. Um, and then I moved into inflammatory bowel disease at children's, um, which is things like Crohn's ulcerative colitis. Um, it's, you know, immunocompromised kids, um, that, that have bowel ulcers and things like that. It's, it's very chronic. Um, so, and then now, um, you know, I'm I'm in neurosurgery. I went for, I kind of went from butts to brains, um, one under the body <laughs> to the other. So, um, but that's kind of the, like I said. That's the nice thing about research is you can step in, and if, if you understand how research is run from a from a very finite standpoint, you can pretty much run it in any sort of disease state. Um, so you know one of the one of the things that I always tell people when I'm interviewing them is is the backbone of research is the same. The difference is you need to learn about the the new disease course and things like that hmm. um, and so so long as you're willing to learn um you know about the new disease course whether when you're switching things around uh you can do this job for sure so um, you know, the, the backbone of the research and, and how it's run and what needs to be done on the day to day doesn't it change. It's just learning a new disease course.
0: Huh. Yeah. I guess it, so. It's funny you saying that because that was a question I was thinking of. And I was, you know, it sounds like that is something that you really enjoy and you like the different, you know, learning the different, uh, you know, aspects, different parts of the body and such to, you know, perform research on. And I guess, you know, the backbone of research, you're saying it stays the same. But, like, how challenging is that, you know, and I guess I'm not exactly sure what the time frame looks like, you know, that when you're switching from um, the different parts, but, like, how challenging it to, yeah, to try to learn something totally different, even if, and maybe it's not as big of a difference as what I'm thinking in my mind, because again, you're saying the backbone of the research stays the same, but what you are researching is totally different. So yeah, then you man. have to totally change you know again and learn which i'm sure obviously has like some positives in that and things are always changing and you're learning more and you're growing and that's exciting but like on the contrary like you know how difficult is that to constantly be changing those different areas uh
1: it's pretty difficult um and you know it took me probably a good six to eight months to kind of start feeling comfortable talking to patients um you know, as to how surgeries are going to go, um, what to expect, um, how we do, you know, all of our preoperative testing and, and what happens post-op and, and things like that, um, and changing from, you know, uh, uh, IBD to, to neurosurgery. Um, and then within neurosurgery, there's a bunch of subspecialties. So like I was saying, um, you know, we've got spine research. Uh, for, for patients getting, like, spinal fusions and things like that. Um, we have tumor research to where, you know, we're, we're doing, we're pulling out, like, glioblastomas, which are very high-intensity high, high intensity cancers. Um, we're also doing endoscopic nasal surgeries that we're running research on that uh, to where we go through the nose um, and, and enter in, into the, the skull below the brain. Um, and, and then we're also doing, you know, uh, the neuromod stuff, which is, uh, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, um, central tremor. And we're, you know, we're adding, uh, we're doing deep brain stimulation, uh, to kind of rework how the brain is wired to, to help get rid of some of those, the, the shakiness and the tremors. Um, we're also doing a focused ultrasound to where, you know, we're, um, we're essentially burning spots in the brain. So that way the brain has to rework and again, um, Mm. you know, burn the spots where, where the tremor is focusing from. Um, and and so that way, you know, we're getting rid of the tremor and things like that, but the brain has to rework itself. So learning, learning how that's done and why it works. And, you know, it's something that I could go way in depth with and and we could sit (laughs) on this phone for phone calls for hours. Um, But it's uh, you know it's it's very very interesting and it's anything dealing with the brain you you know you're going to have some some side effects that come along with it, Um, and so kind of learning what those side effects are and again like I said you know helping those patients through that and you know kind of telling you know some people end up having to go to physical therapy because they have to you know kind of relearn how to walk again. Uh, Some people have to go to speech therapy just because the place that we we've in the brain um can have some speech function to it and so they have to go back and they feel you know um they they feel like they've kind of lost a basic function of of their day-to-day um and that can be tough on on somebody and so helping them through that and kind of walking them through that process and and ensuring sh- them that you know, if you keep working, you're going to get better. Things are going to get better. You may not be 100% again, but, you know, if, if you take the positives with the negative here, beforehand, you had to use a sippy cup to drink water because if you didn't, it would spill everywhere. Now mm-hmm. your hand's still enough to where you can drink a hot cup of coffee in a regular, you know, a regular uh, coffee mug, and you don't have that problem. So, um, you know, a lot of a lot of people patients and people will focus on the negative of what's going on but you always there's always a positive um there's a silver lining in in pretty much everything um and so being able to to point out those silver linings and, and help those patients through what can be a difficult time is mm. is good so
0: yeah i love it you know being able to be there for them and to support them wherever they are at and need that support yeah um but yeah that's uh, I don't know. It's just really hard for me to wrap my mind around. Yeah, you know, so. just from you, like, professionally, and just the things that you have to know and the different areas and the things that all, you know, all parts yeah. of the body that you are just conscious. And again, which obviously is it exciting and it's fun because it's always changing, but also you're just very much so always learning and always, yeah. you know.
1: And, yeah, so that's that's one of the really nice things about being on, like, the, the academic side of research. So when I say academic, um, being, like, in, in the hospital setting rather than being a part of these big companies and things like that is, um, you know, one day you may have a spine surgery, the next day you get to play with a brain tumor. Um, so, It's, um, it's ever changing and it it keeps you on your toes and, and you learn how to be flexible very quickly. Um, especially with neurosurgeons, they can be a little temperamental. So, um, (laughs) it's, it's been fun. It's been a really good three years for me.
0: Yeah, that is, that's cool. As far as, you know, to the patient. So obviously, you know, you're doing research, you're working on people very early on, you know, you talked about, you know, some of that's with the doctors or medical companies, Uh, you know, large medical companies. So when the patients, you know, they have whatever the disease or whatever it is that they are struggling with, and I'm assuming that it's something that they know, like, hey, rather than, like, you know, you could either A, go down a route that has been tested, and we, relatively speaking, know how you will handle it, or you can try something new and try research, and, you know, we're going to... Yeah. I mean, essentially, you know, do that research on you. That is something obviously that they decide initially and say, yeah, you know what? I'm willing to try something different and, you know, able to have the research done on me. Correct.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So um, in doing research, a lot of times what happens is patients will go through your very typical therapy. So they'll try the medications and things like that first. Uh, the medications don't re- work really well for them. Um, and then it, in terms of, you know, at that point, we're kind of at a last option and, you know, we say, Hey, we have this research study. Mm. Um, let's, let's kind of go through the ins and outs. We go through all of the risks, all of the possible benefits. Um, what's going to happen? Different follow up time points, surgical time points, things like that um and this is where i say the backbone of research is the same because it's the same idea um in going through the ibd stuff um you know uh, these kids will fail their their typical therapies and we'll try we'll have a study that the fda hasn't necessarily approved for that patient population or the age or whatever it happens to be um and we'll we'll walk them through that and then we follow them on a research standpoint rather than a clinical standpoint um in terms of you know when you see your doctor and you have some sort of illness going on and they give you a medication and they'll say hey let's follow up in 10 days um and then maybe after that if you're feeling better then you may not hear from the doctor again uh with research what we follow our patients much more long term because it allows us to learn um the longer term side effects of medications or uh, the surgery, or whatever it happens to be that's going on, um, and so that's how you know how when you see the medication commercials on TV, watching a football game, they will le- read off this laundry list of, <laughs> of side effects and things yeah. like that. Um, so that's that's what we do. We we um, you know we take note of those side effects and we we report them to the FDA, and the FDA decides. Are those side effects worth having? Is the medication or the surgery working well enough uh, to where it's worth living with these side effects uh, or these potential side effects um, or not? And so um, that's been another very interesting thing that's that we've dealt with. The FDA can be kind of a big scary organization to deal with, but uh, it's it's how we it's how we move the medical world forward. So.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, that is cool. Uh, that's cool. And I, and I appreciate yeah, you, know, you sharing a little bit more in detail and depth because I'm in my head, like when I think of research, like I feel like I normally think of like a behind the scenes, um, almost more like just the uh, academic is in like, just like books and studying and it's, sure. you know, yeah. In your case, you are, it's a very much so a hands-on yeah. with these patients, but it, it's cool that Uh, I guess maybe not cool is the right word but you know you mentioned that a lot of times it's these patients that have gone through their you know normal therapy and if it hasn't worked or hasn't worked as well then it's okay well there is this other research if you want to try if you want to be a part of this study and then it's you know then they get a different approach to help their you know illness or their struggles that they're having but then for you guys it's real research you know and it's actually and it's not again it's not i guess when almost when i think of research i in my brain naturally think of studying sure it's not necessarily studying but it's actual like test yeah uh, not test subjects but you know you're actually doing it with real people real people that are dealing with these things and then you're real and it's cool that you said it's a long term it's not just a traditional hey short term let's see how it works hey thumbs up okay see you have a good day sally it's okay well how how are you doing tomorrow? In the next week, next month, next year? What you know, exactly. whatever that time frame yeah. looks like. But it's because it is research. Yes, it's the long term. How is this working for this individual that yeah, did not yeah. respond correctly? Not that did not you know uh, have the results that they wanted from the traditional therapy. Yep, exactly. And
1: a lot of people, um, you know, they they I'll walk in a room and say, "Hey, we've got a research study," and immediately people are like. Uh, so am I going to be a lab rat here? What, what's going on? (laughs) (laughs) Um, so, so kind of the reassurance thing starts from the moment you walk in the room to, to, you know, like I said, um, helping those patients through, through what their, whatever their ordeal is, um, starts from the first minute we walk in the room. So, Um, and, and getting back to, you know, what I like to do is helping patients and and moving them forward and getting them better and and explaining how we're going to get better and things like that. Um, that, that starts from, from the moment walk in the room and you develop a relationship with that patient and, um, you know, where, um, instead of having a doctor that has, you know, 500 clinical patients, you're now a part of a research study that has 10 patients in it. And so you're, you're mm. followed very closely and you're, you're heard a little bit more. Um, and and um, a lot of our patients at the end of the day are very happy to do, even if the therapy doesn't work, they're very happy to do the study because they, they realize that they're, they're pushing science forward and they're helping and they they've, mm. um, you know, they they've been heard and, and we're doing things and we're following them much more closely than if you were to just do a clinic, you know, just, just be followed clinically. Um, And not to say that the clinical route is a bad way to go and not try and get everybody into research here because all of our doctors are fantastic, but um, you just have, you have a few more resources as a patient in research than if you were to, um, you know, just, just do things clinically. So
0: yeah, yeah, for sure. It Again, it's, uh, yeah, like you said, nothing against the traditional clinical research. But right. for those people that have, that, again, are not, do not have the results that they are looking for, then to have research. But then also, too, like, okay, even if this doesn't work for me, like you said, like, I'm, I'm a part of pushing science forward. And no matter what, like, there's going to be a learn a learning lesson around, you know, myself and the testing that is being done, the research yeah. that's being conducted yeah. around. Um, so,
1: and, you know, we, we may learn all, all this is bad, <laughs>
0: right? Yeah. But That's
1: not, that's not a bad thing to, to learn because, you know, instead of pushing this forward and doing it on hundreds of thousands of people, uh, we learned that lesson very quickly. And, right. and, you know, it's, um, overall for the greater good of, of the medical community and the, and the patient population. But, um, You know, you're you're going to trip and fall along the way, and sometimes that happens with research. But a lot of times, um, you know, things things end up going very well. So,
0: yeah, no, that's awesome. So you mentioned, and I'm curious, you mentioned earlier about the FDA. The FDA, you said, is you know, kind of big, scary, obviously this large organization. And I, yeah, I have no clue. Like, what does it look like to you know the research that you're conducting? What does it look like to get that? FDA approved. Obviously, I'm sure it is not a quick and easy process. But you know, like, you know, how high of a success rate do you have to have? But then I'm sure it's not even just, you know, it's not even just where you are at in Columbus, Ohio. I'm sure there's probably has to be multiple, several locations throughout the U.S., throughout the, you know, the world, whatever, in order for this research to become FDA approved. Like, how? Like, at what point? You know, like you are conducting the research. At what point do you conduct the research and say, you know what, this is no longer research; it is officially FDA approved, and now we essentially almost move on to the next thing because the research that we conducted is now a part of the clinical practice because it is like a standard procedure because it's helped so many people.
1: Right? Yeah, uh, that's a that's a great. And that's question. probably a, a um, large
0: question kind it, of. And <laughs> so I can I can give you kind of the general. Uh,
1: <laughs> I can give you the general kind of umbrella as to how research works at the FDA's eyes. And so um, for drug studies, you have phase one through phase four studies. So phase one, phase two, phase three, phase four, phase one is um, usually first in humans. So it's the first time a medication's been being used in in humans. Um, And what you're doing is you're essentially finding The the dosage that works best for patients, um, and you're finding initial issues and and potential side effects of the medication. Um, And so those studies are very small, they'll involve 10 or 15 patients. Um, They're very, very intensive, Um, you know, in terms of like cancer research. uh, It could be an everyday visit. So, you know, their um, patients are very and, and it's always a last last line type of thing um, to where, again, you know, patients are failing their their clinical care and not doing well. And this is kind of a last ditch effort to to hopefully have them get better. Um, and so once that's done and, and that data is sent into the FDA, the FDA will come back and say, hey, this this isn't working, we're going to stop. Where they say, yes, let's move on to a phase two study, um, which is a little bit bigger in terms of the number of patients. Um, and, and what they're doing there again is looking at safety and tolerability, um, in a more generalized patient population, um, and, and kind of doing the same thing, safety, tolerability, is the medication working? Is it working on a larger population? Um, And then you work with the FDA, you send the data again to them. um, And if they approve that, you move on to a phase three study, which is typically is randomized um, to, it can be to different dosage of the medication. Um, It can be to a placebo, which means essentially it's a, it's a fake medication. Mm -hmm. Um, It all depends on, on how you set up the study. Um, And you get, hundreds of patients in that. And so that's where a lot of these studies will take place in multiple different sites around the world. So, um, you know, we, we may have, we may run the study here at Ohio state. We also might run the study at U of M um, they may run it at MD Anderson, the the big cancer uh, center down in, in Texas. Um, and so it's, it's run throughout the, the country um, a lot of times throughout the world. Um, and we get just massive amounts of data, um, for that. And there, and it's a lot, usually a long-term study, long-term being anywhere from like a year to five years. Um, and we just continue to follow these thousands of patients. Um, and then as that data comes, comes in the FDA, um, at that point kind of says, you know, we gave it a shot. It didn't work. Um, or they give the approval to to use the medication on a clinical standpoint, um, and and you can you don't have to be in a research study anymore to to get that medication. Hmm. Um, and then the fourth phase is a phase four, and that's um, what happens there is after the FDA approves. Essentially, what you're doing is you're running uh, a study to follow patients um, and, and just collect data to make sure that um you know we're not adding we don't need to add any more side effects to the medication to to the label uh to make sure that we're not getting something that you know we didn't see in the first year or year and a half or two years or whatever it happens to be that we ran the study um in in terms of those side effects um and things like that um Mm -hmm. And so you just, you follow those patients. And for example, you know, ibuprofen's been FDA approved for years and years and years. Um, and they're still doing, you know, they're still following patients that are taking ibuprofen, uh, you know, daily and things like that. Just to make sure that we don't need to add um, more safety um, information to, to the box when you, when you buy the box. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a very continuous thing, um, research can be. And so, um, you know, at some point in time, um, you kind of learn that, yep, this is, this is what you're going to get with this medication. Um, these are the side effects, but we, we're continuously following patients to, to make sure something crazy doesn't happen. And, And, um, you know, somebody that's taken ibuprofen every day for the last 15 years, all of a sudden has. You know, some sort of like heart defect or something like that. Right. Um. But yeah, Hmm. it's a it's a continuous data data analysis going on, and um, you know that's something again that I enjoy. And um, there's there's always some teaching aspects to um, to let patients know and and things like that. And so. um,
0: Yeah. No. I I, thank you, Josh. Appreciate you. You know, breaking down that for me. Um, That. Definitely helped me, you know, understand kind of that process, um, you know, kind of explaining those four phases because that's what, yeah, you know, earlier when you're talking about the FDA and, you know, and all this research and I'm just, yeah, just trying to like think of this in my head and I'm a very practical person as well. So I'm like, okay, well, like practically speaking, like what does this like look like? And again, at what nah. point do you like, at what point is the research no longer research and it is just clinically proven, yeah. you know, once the yeah. FDA and obviously you laid that out for us in that four step, um, you know, in the four phases that are involved with that drug research. So, um, no, and, you know, and then I think it's cool, which is needed and great as well, but you said it is, and you enjoy that aspect, that it's continuous. It yeah. never ends. It's not like, okay, well, hey, we reached phase four. All right, you know, yeah. just, just put it on the shelf and start selling it and we'll move on to the <laughs> next thing. And no, yeah. it's that yeah. continued research, continue to make sure that there's nothing else that's coming up, you know, long-term that's, yes. you know, impacting yeah. um, people that are using the drug or whatever it may be. Yeah, that, yeah. Absolutely. No, that is cool. Um, dude, yeah, this is great. I, I love just, you know, listening to you talk about this. Obviously, it's something you're very passionate about, very knowledgeable about, uh, you know, in, in the research and something that you are enjoying. Um, so as I kinda you know start to wrap up the show, I have a couple more questions for you, Josh. Sure. So the first, you know, we've talked a lot about the past and kinda you know how you got into research. We've talked, you know, extensively about what you're doing now and the research and how you enjoy it and what that looks like on the daily basis and kind of the middle ground for you between the you know the analytics and the research side of it, but also the patient oriented um, you know, being the research coordinator. Right now, so, so my next question for you is looking at the future, you know, where do you see yourself potentially, what are your professional goals in the next three, five, maybe even like ten years? Where do you potentially see yourself professionally? Yeah.
1: Um, so, um, short term, uh, I'm going to be working on getting a master's um, okay. in, in uh Clinical pharmacology. So essentially, what that is is uh, it's a master's program that uh, kind of teaches you how to run these giant studies um, and how to how to send a study to the FDA so that the FDA says yes, you can do the research here. Hmm. Um, how to um, submit an an IND or an IDE, which is the application that you need to to do to say hey, we're doing we're using this to do research. Um, and, and we this is our idea. This is what we want to do. Um, here's some basic data that we've gotten from other countries that have far less strict research rules. Um, and this is kind of where we want to go with this study. Um, it teaches you how to, to do all that. Um, and so, you know, once, once that's done, um, my goal would be to, to you know, lead a team in, in running some of those studies um, to where we're not necessarily working with these giant, uh, you know, medical companies like Johnson & Johnson and, and uh, Medtronic, uh, Pfizer, things like that, um, to where, you know, the doctor comes up with an idea, a new idea, um, and we're able to kind of run the study from – from an individual site level. So if a doctor were to come up with an idea um, at Ohio State, um, you know, we were able to apply for some funding from the government, whether it be the National Institute of Health or the Nas- National Cancer Institute, um, you know, for, uh, the military, uh, so on and so forth. There's a ton of options available. Um, but it allows us to, to kind of do research, um without the overseeing eye of of a medical company um which can which can lead to you know medical companies making this and and in, in a giant um you know into an industrial thing which is eventually good but allows you know the the hands on um application of the doctors that are seeing these patients every day um so it's, it's another, another avenue to, to push the medical field forward. Um, and something that I'm, I'm very passionate about is, is getting my, my doctors that I work with um, really invested in their research. Um, and, you know, when they come up with an idea themselves and it's new um, and it's, it's can be life-changing for patients, that's a really good way to get them invested. Um and it's a lot of work on their end but um and, and our end as well. Um but doing that's um something, you know, five years down the line that I want to be doing. Um and then ten years, you know, my goal hopefully can be to to build a team and we're we're doing research um like that all over the place within, you know, whether it be within neurosurgery surgery at Ohio State um or elsewhere. Um just, just building a, a team that's really going to push uh, push things forward, and, and event you know, our, everybody's goal is to is to help patients. And so, being able to build a team to to push things forward and, and really help our patients down the line is is something that I've always been passionate about. Um, it's something that I continue to strive for every day when I work. Um, so. Learning how to how to deal with different personalities and learning how to create a cohesive team and you know have that open and honest communication um, is something that you know I ten years down the road hope to to be doing every single day um, mm. you know you know with a very large team so
0: nice that is cool that is you know I mean I love hearing you talk about. Uh, Again, just the passion, your voice, and talking about getting the doctors, you know, getting the doctors invested in the research and just that collaboration, um, you know, between the doctors and the research team, which, you know, ultimately, at the end of the day, is to help patients, you know, and and that is, you know, really the core of, you know, I can hear it in your heart and where you're at is, you know, obviously, at the end of the day, it's about helping people. And how are you helping people in your situation, your scenario? It's performing the research you know, to be able to help them in their daily lives with their um with their health, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and with the research and on the kind of the beginning stages of that with the research. So that is no, that is awesome and those are great goals. I uh, mean it yeah, very detailed goals and I love it. Um I love where you have your eyes set on in the future. So my last question that I have for you then Josh, I always end every single episode with is what are you doing today to reach your dreams of tomorrow? You know, so practically speaking, um, you know, obviously you had mentioned about, you know, additional schooling, getting your master's, you know, like practically, like, what are you doing today with the patients that you are working with, the research that you are conducting, you know, to help those people out, but then also, you know, to grow professionally yourself and just continuing to learn.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, um, that professional growth is something that I, I strive for every day. And um, what's been the newest thing for me um, is is leading a team. Um, you know, um, we've we've got to the point to where I have a team of five underneath of me now, um, and so learning how to again, have that communication with each team member. You know, each team member is an individual and they some people work better as a self-starter. Some people need help day-to-day with, with tasks and things like that. Um, and then being available for them for their personal growth um, is something that I'm, that I'm working on every mm. day. And eventually, you know, I, I talk about growing that team um, and, and becoming a you know a big cohesive team somewhere down the line um, that that starts with learning how to how to work with each person individually and then learning how to create um, a, a team atmosphere that includes everybody on the team and how they work best um, and, and you know having having that open communication to where, you know, uh-oh, maybe we messed something up or, uh-oh, I have a question, but maybe it's a stupid question. There is what they're thinking in their head, but, you know, if, if that question is something that you need to ask, ask it. You know, I have, I have zero issue um, with, with you being inquisitive about how to do your job properly or hmm. about how to, how to run a, a study properly or whatever it happens to be. Um, and so, right now, learning learning how to do that with um, these the, these five um, you know uh, employees that I have with me, uh, these five team members um, is is new and um, it's it's unique um, and something that I'm working on every day. You know, mm-hmm. the, the end goal is to to have them grow and enjoy what they're doing and um, you know, continue to um, create a career path for them as well. Um, And that's something that's, that I've had a lot of fun with over the last, you know, six months or so um, with, with building this team and and, um, kind of learning who wants to go where and how we can get them there and and how I can help um, is, is fantastic. Um, So, continuing to do that. And then obviously, you know, with the, with the educate continuing my education and learning how to run um, some of these more intensive studies and, and work with the FDA um, and make that, uh, you know, eliminate errors and things like that. Um, so that things move more, more smoothly, um, or things that we're working on on every day um, to do again, you know, push things forward for, for our patients and, and hopefully get them better quicker.
0: Boom. Boom, I love it. Leading that team, you know, everything you talked about, just really, I mean, I, yeah, I think it's key and I love, you know, you talk about wanting them to grow and wanting to see them professionally grow and enjoy what they're doing and just that constant communication and all those things that come along with teamwork, um, you know, but just trying to lead that team well and have them all enjoy their jobs and where they are at. And, you know, whatever, wherever they're at now, and wherever the future will take them. But hopefully this position just prepares them for that. Yeah. And, yeah, you know, so. those leadership skills that it's obviously refining in you, which will then help you, you know, throughout the next step and wherever your career goes next. Yeah, exactly.
1: So, and, you know, a lot of these kids are, are just out of college. Um, you know, a lot of our research assistants will graduate and then within a couple of weeks start with us. And so um, I was – I was in that, you know, I was in their shoes six mm. years ago or five years ago or whatever it happens to be. And I remember thinking back and, and realizing, you know, this was very helpful or, you know, I wish something um, something would have gone differently or the communication was better, or, you know, whatever it happens to be. And so drawing back on those experiences that I had to, to kind of help uh, one help me to help them, but also, you know, to let them know that they're not alone in, in what they're feeling or what they feel needs to be asked or, you yeah. know, whatever it happens to be, everybody, you know, that likely has had a similar experience somewhere. Um, and so to eliminate those, those issues, um, is something that I strive for pretty much every day and in, in working with the team. And, um, you know I continue to hope to get better at it and um, we'll we'll see where it goes
0: yeah I love it I love it Josh thank you so much for coming on the show uh this has been fantastic i I've learned a lot <laughs> to say the least I've learned a lot just about you know obviously your position but you know just the whole um yeah just the research and how it's conducted and everything behind that yeah. and, you know just love to hear obviously that's within your story and where you've been at. And obviously that's something that you are very passionate about and love to do as well. So this has been an incredible podcast. It's been great for me. Hope the listeners enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, I just really appreciate your time. And, uh, yeah, this was a lot of fun.
1: Awesome. Yeah. Thanks, Dom. I appreciate you having me. Um, like I said, I can talk about work all day. So,
0: um, <laughs> That's good. Uh, Show you your passion. Yeah. Thank you for listening to The Young Pro Show. If you enjoyed the episode, I would encourage you to follow or subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. You can also follow along on social media for updates on Facebook and Instagram at Dom Fry, the insurance guy. And if you really, really enjoyed the episode, it would mean the world to me if you can leave a review you on your podcast platform or on my Facebook page. I love you, thank you for your time, and God bless.